Today's December 25th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to another boxing edition of the podcast. Merry Christmas, first and foremost. Happy holidays for those of you who don't celebrate Christmas. What a joyous day. I know I've had a great Christmas. I hope you have too. It is 8 o'clock Eastern here. We're getting ready to watch some Monday Night Football. We got the Ravens versus the Niners. That should be an excellent matchup. But I realized I had to get a quick episode in. This isn't going to be a full, lengthy episode. I'm going to try and run through things as quickly as possible, given the circumstances of the holiday and things like that. But we have to talk about what is taking place tomorrow morning. So if you're catching this before the fight, you're lucky. You, you tuned in just in time. Um, I'm sure most of you will hear this after the fight, considering how last minute this is. But tomorrow, in Japan, we have Naoya Inoue taking on Marlon Tapales. This is for undisputed as super bantamweight. Inoue, of course, captured the WBC and the WBO title over Stephen Fulton back this summer. And then Marlon Tapales upset MJ Akhmadaliev. He captured the IBF and the WBA titles. Now, both of these guys are going to meet up and determine who the best super bantamweight in the world really is. It's funny because a few months back, people were talking about Stephen Fulton versus MJ Akhmadaliev, how that's going to be an undisputed championship fight, how these are the two best in the division, and we're going to finally get to see who's the better one, who's going to have all the championship belts. Well, life comes at you fast, doesn't it? Because in a way, moves up, destroys Stephen Fulton, and then, of course, Malin Tapales had a great upset victory over MJ. That was a very competitive fight. One that I would advise someone to go back and watch if they haven't seen it. Some people had it very close. I thought it was really, like I said, really competitive. But the right man won. Marlon Tapales was the right man, in my opinion. And he earned the right, if you want to call it a right, to fight Naoya Inouye. Now, Tapales is accomplished. Like I said, he just beat MJ. He's riding high. He has a lot of skills. He's a southpaw with real power. He bounces on his toes at times. He likes to um, use his jab, but he also likes to faint with the jab. He pretends he's throwing it, and remember, he's a southpaw, so he's throwing that right hand out, or he's pretending to throw that right hand out, and then he comes with the backhand. He comes with the straight left hand, which does have power on it. The thing about Tapales, too, is... He's very confident in his power. He loves to to use that power. He thinks that everything he throws is going to hurt you. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Against a guy like Naoya Inouye, that is going to be extremely dangerous, trust me. But what I do like about this fight is Tapales' size. Now, he's not a huge fighter or anything like that. Of course, we're talking about super bantamweights here. But Tapales has had fights above 130 pounds. This fight, of course, is taking place at the super bantamweight limit of 122 pounds. So, while Inouye destroyed Fulton, and, it, and Fulton's extremely skilled, I actually picked Fulton in that fight. I thought his size and his pure boxing ability would be a knife to kind of stay away from Inouye's power. Boy, was I wrong about that. But as skilled as Inouye, excuse me, as skilled as Fulton is, he was never known as a power puncher, not even close. So my one real intrigue of this fight 
And of course, in a way, he's a huge favorite. I'm not saying he's going to lose or anything like that. But my one thing that I'm really looking forward to is how Inoue is going to react to getting hit by a big super bantamweight who can actually crack. He's used to fighting guys much lighter and without that punching power. Of course, he was in there with the great Filipino flash, Nonito Donaire. But we know Donaire wasn't exactly in his prime. He does have an incredible left hook, but he wasn't in his prime. We'll see how Inouye takes the polys of shots, if he even takes any of them. Because one thing about Inouye is we talk about the power so much, we forget about the skill. I said it before, I'll say it again. This isn't a power puncher who's just reliant on that one shot. He's an extremely talented, well-versed fighter, slick boxer, incredible defense, head movement, footwork, speed. He just happens to also be blessed with extreme power. That's the thing with Inouye. They call him a monster for a reason. Yes, he does get you out of there, but he also has the finesse. He also has the skill. He also has the ability to outclass you over the course of 12 rounds if he needed to. The thing is, most people just can't take the shots that he's throwing because he possesses that power. So while Topales may be confident in his shots and may step forward and may bring the action to Inouye, even if Inouye doesn't catch him with a shot right away that'll injure him, Inouye has the ability to move out of the way and outclass Topales and outbox him. So quite frankly, however this goes, I expect Inouye to win. I'm expecting him to win by stoppage, but he could really do it each and every different way. Inouye is looking at becoming a two-time undisputed champion. He's also becoming the fastest ever to be undisputed, doing it in less than five months' time. He's looking to be fighter of the year. Because if you're talking about fighter of the year, it's a short list, isn't it? We have Terrence Crawford, who had an incredible win over Errol Spence Jr., but that was his only fight this year. So I think guys have overlapped him. I like Devin Haney's uh, resume just a little bit better. Of course, he doesn't have a win like the Errol Spence win, but he has two extremely quality wins in Lomachenko and Regis Progre, and he did it in two different weight classes, which I put a lot of emphasis, a lot of respect on that. Great job by Devin Haney. He's putting in the work. And now you have Naya Inouye, who had a victory over Stephen Fulton. And I personally rate that victory over Stephen Fulton pretty evenly with the Errol Spence victory because I rated them both close to each other, Spence and Fulton. And then you have the caveat of Inouye moving up in weight. Errol Spence got destroyed by Crawford, but Crawford had been in that weight class for a long time. Inouye, in his first fight jumping up, destroys Stephen Fulton. So I rate those pretty closely, smidge advantage to Errol Spence, and then you add in this to Polly's victory, which I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, right? But but unless the Polly just comes out and gives us a performance of the year, or in a way is injured, or in a way suddenly loses all his power like the basketball players in Space Jam, I don't see in a way losing this fight. And that's not a knock on Polly's. That's just showing you and telling you how good in a way is. This is a very, very special talent. I don't know how many times I have to iterate it. Uh, most of you listening probably already know that. But if you don't, think about it, man. Think about what this guy's doing. I get it. He's in a low weight class, right? But this guy started fighting at 100 
in five pounds. He is now at 122 pounds, okay? This guy has jumped up multiple weight classes extremely frequently, and he's destroying everybody in his way. And he's not running through some whack-ass weight classes. If you pay attention, you know. Inoue has been fighting quality opponents his entire career for the most part. This is a guy who's champion in four different weight classes. Put it this way, he's so good. People are suggesting that he moves up two more weight classes immediately, too. Think about that. That's ridiculous. No other fighter in boxing is held to that standard. They want him to jump up two more weight classes. A guy who already holds championships in four different weights. A guy who has been fighting championship title fights since 2014. Back in 2014, Inouye only had six fights in his career. Okay? Now he has 25. So you do the math. This will be his 22nd consecutive world championship fight. He has 25 victories, 22 are knockouts. We're talking about not just, in my opinion, the best fighter on the planet. And you could argue he's number two. He's consensus top two. It's either him or Crawford. I say he's the best on the planet today. But not only is he the best today, he's one of the best we've ever seen. I heard a guy the other day saying, you know, Inouye's not that good. I don't, I don't know the guys he's fought. That is one of the dumbest things I've heard. Because just because you don't know someone, that doesn't discredit the accomplishment, okay? You need to pay attention to something if you're going to criticize it. If you don't care about Bantamweight, then just don't comment on it. That's fine. But if you're going to sit here and try and discredit a guy like in a way, you just sound ridiculous. You just it's laughable, and I can't take your opinion on the sport seriously. But if you have been paying attention, you know. Quality victories are something that this guy's resume is littered with. You can go back to Antonio Nieves, you can go back to Jamie McDonald, uh, Juan Payano, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Nonito Donaire, Jason Maloney, um, Donaire again. The Paul Butler victory was whatever. Stephen Fulton. Like, that's just the majority. There's still a couple if you go back earlier in his career. This guy is the man. He's the monster. There's a reason Mike Tyson and Manny Pacquiao praised this guy. Guys like Gervonta Tank Davis, Devin Haney. The list goes on. The best in the sport today and some of the greats from the past all realize how special this dude is. He's a mixture of of a Roy Jones and Floyd Mayweather, skill-wise. And that sounds crazy, I know. That is how special he is. He does things like Roy that don't look like you're supposed to be able to do them. You're not supposed to get away with that. He does things like Floyd where the head movement is on point. The jab is exceptional. This guy throws every punch in the book. Listen, this put it this way. I'm going to wrap it up real quick. I'm sorry to take so much time. I said there was going to be a quick episode. Listen, this guy is fighting tomorrow. He's fighting in Japan. 
here on the East Coast, he's probably walking out at around 5.45 a.m. The car begins, I think, around 3 a.m. And I'm waking up to see it. I'm currently on vacation um, from work due to the holiday. I could sleep in. I don't have to be anywhere. He's worth waking up for. He is not only appointment television, but must-see television. If you have work or if you have another responsibility to do at that time, make sure you go back and watch it. Whatever time you are available to see the fight, this fight will be on ESPN Plus at your convenience. Whenever you want to put it on, put it on. But make sure you watch the monster Naya Inoue become two-weight undisputed champion in the matter of a year. Two different weight classes. He's conquered. He's moving up and fighting the top guys immediately. We don't see that very often in the sport. What Inouye is doing in the, the legacy that he's carving out is simply phenomenal. What I love, too, about him is it seems like he's just going to continue to push himself until he can no longer go. And what I mean by that is take the toughest challenges no matter what. I'm hoping he moves up to featherweight shortly after this fight. I know there's discussions of a fight with Luis Neri, and I'm a big uh, Neri fan. I think he is always in exciting fights. He actually is in one of the best fights this year when he took on um, Crazy A, Azat Havanesian. So I would welcome that fight, a Neri versus Inouye fight. But after that, I kind of just wanted to see Inouye continue to move up and really see how far he can go because there's some quality champions at 126, but I think he beats them. I think he beats guys like Ray Vargas and Rafael Espinoza. But the fight that I would love at featherweight is Brandon Figueroa. Brandon Figueroa is an all-action fighter. Brandon Figueroa is much bigger than Inouye. That is the fight that I would have circled on my calendar. But again, this is all talking about future matchups. We have to see what happens tomorrow morning in Japan. One thing I do expect is fireworks. So make sure you tune into that. Again, you can watch it at any time if you don't catch it live. I don't want to predict too much in the future because things can change. Anything can happen. This is boxing. That's why we have to watch the fights and see what takes place because everyone thought they knew what was going to happen at the Day of Reckoning over in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia this past weekend. An incredible event, by the way. We thought we knew what was going to happen, but we were wrong, weren't we? There was a couple upsets on that card. From top to bottom, I thought overall the card was excellent. We got vicious knockouts. We got a lot of action. And like I said, we got two um, pretty sizable upsets. We had Kabayel beat the Russian Makhmudov in incredible fashion, destroying him to the body. Kabayel is a guy that I think everyone needs to pay attention to. A very underrated heavyweight. He has all the skills. It was just a matter of him getting a quality opponent and a stage where people are going to pay attention. He had both. He had a guy that was hyped up, a knockout artist, as they said, and they had the stage of a card that had Wilder and Joshua on it. So all eyes were on him, and he delivered. He was a huge underdog. I believe he was minus, or excuse me, plus 625 underdog, and he got the stoppage victory, and he did it in dominating fashion. So I'm really looking forward to what Caballero can do in the future. I'll definitely keep my eye on him. But also on that card, we saw the massive upset, didn't we? We saw Joseph Parker defeat Deontay Wilder. Not only did he defeat him, 
he virtually won every round. I think there was only one or two rounds you could even argue Deontay Wilder won. Deontay Wilder looked completely flat. He looked like a fighter who only fought one round in the last two years. He wasn't letting his hands go. He got rocked at one point in the fight. He looked uninspired. He looked like he didn't care to be there. It sucked to see, really, because everyone wanted to see a knockout from Deontay Wilder, especially on this card that already had featured, I believe, five knockouts by the time we got to the Wilder fight. We were expecting another one. We were expecting a highlight reel. We didn't get it. What we saw was Joseph Parker smartly avoid Wilder's shot, duck down every time he threw it. But the problem was Wilder wasn't throwing it, was he? He was not letting that right hand fire off. And I can't say it enough. It was very disappointing. It was sad to see. It sucked. It was a terrible fight. And Joseph Parker gets the win, and good for him. But I don't know if too many people are super excited to see Joseph Parker in a big fight. He just isn't that personality. He doesn't have that style that everyone likes. I said it in the preview. Joseph Parker does everything pretty damn good, doesn't he? He's a solid fighter. But he doesn't do anything spectacularly well. He doesn't do anything that really stands out. But I don't want to discredit him. He did what he was supposed to do. He went in there, stood in front of Wilder, avoided the right hand, pressed forward, and ended up hurting him late. So we'll see what's next for Parker. I'm sure he'll get another opportunity, a big fight, because he does have a really solid resume. He has victories over Andrew Ruiz. He has a victory over Deontay Wilder. He's a former world heavyweight champion. So he's definitely going to be in the mix going forward. He's only 31, I believe, so he's still in his prime. But all eyes still, to me, are on Deontay Wilder, regardless of his horrible performance. The fact is, let's, let's take a little positives from it. The fact is, the guy went 12 rounds. The guy, to me, didn't look tired at all. He was moving the entire fight, maybe bizarrely, maybe too much, but he was moving. That tells me he wasn't out of shape. He wasn't tired. He doesn't seem to come away with any injury. So I think the best thing for Wilder to do is to get back in the ring. I know people are saying, oh, he's done. He's, he needs to retire, this and that. Because of one bad fight, one bad performance, I don't think so. I think you need to throw him back in there. The talks before the fight were it was supposed to be Wilder versus Joshua in March as long as both guys won. Well, Wilder didn't win. But my question is, why can't we continue with that plan? That's still the biggest fight you could possibly make in the heavyweight division that doesn't include Tyson Fury because I'm sure Tyson Fury versus Joshua right now will probably be bigger. But who else is Anthony Joshua going to fight that is going to generate not only the money but the interest as Deontay Wilder will. You tell me that. I heard people saying, oh, he doesn't deserve the fight. Well, did Otto Valin deserve the fight against Joshua? Was anybody super excited about that fight? Was anybody super excited about Jermaine Franklin? Was anybody excited about Robert Hellenius? No. AJ got fights with all three of those guys, didn't he? And guess what? We all watched him because we like heavyweight boxing and we like Anthony Joshua as a fighter. So what makes you think people aren't going to tune in to see Wilder versus Joshua just because Wilder lost. Did Wilder get knocked out again? No. Did Wilder even get dropped? No. Wilder has three losses on his career, on his record now. Guess what? So does Anthony Joshua. Joshua lost two times to Usyk, once to Ruiz. Wilder lost two times to Fury and once to Parker. Parker has a victory over Andrew Ruiz. I mean, I don't see an issue with making this fight immediately. Wilder 
got 12 rounds under his belt. Granted, they were not impressive rounds. He was extremely um, rusty. He didn't look sharp at all. That's probably why he wasn't letting his hands go. But he said himself, he's ready to make the fight happen. He wants to make it happen. Joshua also said, he's willing to make the fight happen. So let's make this damn fight happen. Who cares that a guy lost? I don't care. Make the fight that we want to see. If Wilder wins, what's everyone going to say then? If Wilder loses, okay, fine. Joshua has a great name on his resume, and he can continue to move forward. Then after that, maybe Wilder thinks about retirement. Wilder is 38 years old, by the way. I heard people saying, oh, he's never a shit. He was never anything. Listen, we live in a day and age, especially in boxing, where people like to discredit everything. They like to discredit people's careers. The fact of the matter is this. Deontay Wilder started boxing at 20 years old, okay? Picked up the sport at 20. This is a sport where the all-time greats, the majority of them, usually begin fighting anywhere from 6 to 10 years of age. Think about any other sport. Think about the first time you picked up a basketball, especially if you're an American. If you picked up a basketball, you were a very, very young child, right? Now, just imagine you had never touched a basketball until you were 20 years old. You start playing basketball at 20 years old and to the NBA. That sounds insane, doesn't it? Sounds ridiculous. Well, Deontay Wilder started boxing at 20 years old, became an Olympian, earned a bronze medal in the Olympics, then moved on to professional ranks, become a heavyweight champion, and defended that heavyweight championship 10 times. Made millions and millions of dollars. Created some of the biggest, most devastating knockouts we've ever seen in the sport. Is that a guy that's overrated? People got to put things into context. I heard people say, Wilder's not a top 10 heavyweight ever. Well, duh. Nobody's saying he's a top 10 heavyweight ever. That's stupid. What we are saying is he's a guy who brought the American heavyweight division back to boxing. That's not an opinion. I know this is called everyone has an opinion. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. The heavyweight division was non-existent here in America when Klitschko was on his run. No American was stepping up. Know why? Because we have other sports. We have the NBA. We have the NFL. Our great American heavyweights are doing other things. They're making guaranteed money elsewhere. And I don't blame them. But that doesn't take away what Deontay Wilder did. He made the heavyweight division exciting. We had a stiff, robotic fighter in Vladimir Klitschko. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a great champion. He accomplished a lot in the sport. He dominated for a while. It's not his fault there wasn't elite competition at the time. But that was a boring era. We have to be honest. That was a boring, boring era. Tyson Fury comes along. He beats Klitschko in one of the worst fights ever. And then Fury goes away for years. While Fury was away, Wilder was dominating here in the States. He was creating buzz. And then you had, of course, Joshua in the U.K., But in the U.S., it's been wilder, and nobody since has
has stepped up. We have a guy named Jared Anderson who talks about he don't even know if he wants to be great. He doesn't know what he wants to do. And he was supposed to be the next guy up. We'll see what he does. He's still very young. But my point is, Wilder did a lot. And however you want to say about him, his technique, this and that, he's an overachiever. To write him off right now is crazy. The guy's 38. He's already accomplished a lot. He's already did what he had to do. At 38 years old, Mike Tyson was quitting against Kevin McBride. Ask yourself, who the hell is Kevin McBride? Exactly. So the fact that Wilder lost 12 rounds, he lost clearly, of course, got his ass kicked. But he didn't quit, and he still has a devastating right hand. I want to see him in there with Joshua because obviously Joshua's going to be the favorite. Obviously, everyone's going to pick Joshua. But ask yourself this question. If Deontay Wilder lands that right hand flush on Anthony Joshua, what happens then? Think about it. We don't know, right? Don't you want to find out? Don't you want to see what will happen if Wilder lands that right hand? I know I do. Maybe I'm the only one. Let me, let me know. At me on Twitter. At me at someone else. Or on Instagram. At someone else with an underscore at the end. Because I'm aware Anthony Joshua looked good against uh, Otto Valin. He looked real good. He stepped forward. He dominated. He went to the body a lot, which I loved seeing him do. He threw a little bit of combinations, which I love seeing Joshua do. He showed that grit to walk through a guy and really punish him like a true super heavyweight, which basically what he is, a super heavyweight does. My only criticism, and this isn't Joshua's fault, but Otto Valin isn't a power puncher. Otto Valin was supposed to be this mover boxer who was going to use his jab, move around, use the same movements as Usyk did. He didn't do that. He walked into Anthony Joshua's right hand. Not only did he walk into it, he stood in front of him a lot. He was kind of content with standing and trading with Joshua, like as if he was trying to test him or outpower him. You didn't have the ammunition to do that. So I want to see Joshua in there with a puncher. And if it's not Wilder, we got Big Bang Zhang, we got Philip Ergovich, we have Kabayel that I just mentioned, you have freak-type fights if you want to go the Francis Ngannou uh, route because this guy just dropped Tyson Fury, so I don't think anyone would really complain if we got Ngannou-Joshua next. There's options for Joshua, but a lot of guys that have punching power, and that's what I want to see. Is the mentality going to be there with a puncher? And that's what Wilder is, a huge puncher. He's got to let them hands go, though. So hopefully we get that in 2024, one of those matchups, because the heavyweight division, when it's at its best, it really shines. I thought Day of Reckoning was an amazing card, a fun day of boxing. I hope they do that again. It's the WrestleMania of boxing. Don't you forget, you heard it here first. WrestleMania 1 was Day of Reckoning 1. Hopefully next year we get Day of Reckoning 2 and we continue the good times, because when the heavyweight division is on top, boxing is on top. Thank you guys for listening. I'm out of time. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to give me that five-star review, and don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. Appreciate you all. Merry Christmas. I'm out.